1: Jesus taught that the very words of Scripture are God's words, that God selected and prepared his spokespeople, his prophets, in such a manner that the words they chose, the words they used, were the exact words God would use to communicate his word to us. Well, today, here on Study Verse by Verse, our teacher and pastor,
0: Clayton Shealy, continues with our series, The Bible, Can It Be Trusted?, now, today we focus in on the veracity of Scripture, the inerrancy of Scripture, the fact that it is without error. Let's catch up with Pastor Layton, shall we, as we continue this marvelous series, laying a foundation for everything else that is to come. Here's Pastor Layton now with today's program Study Verse by Verse.
1: We're conditioned in this world to question the validity of the Bible. And there's a continuous assault on the Bible that takes place all the time. For instance, the fundamental reason for the theory of evolution is to undermine the credibility of the Bible. You see, if we can't believe the first five words of the Bible that says, In the beginning God created, and we're told by evolution that we weren't created, we evolved you can't believe the first five words, how are you going to believe anything else you can read in the Bible? So fundamentally, evolution is an attack on the validity or the veracity of the Bible. Now most of our sermons here at Highlands are in the Bible. But for the last few weeks, we've been looking at the Bible rather than in the Bible. And we're going to be returning to a study in the Bible very, very shortly. We have a statement of faith in our church family here. Article 1 deals with or addresses the issue of the Bible. It reads, We believe that the entire Bible is the inspired word of God and that men of God were moved by the Holy Spirit to write the very words of Scripture. The Bible is therefore without error in its original manuscripts. God has supernaturally preserved the Bible and it is the sole and final authority for faith and life Providing encouragement, guidance, comfort, and instruction for training in righteousness. And then over the last number of Sundays, we've examined and explained each of these clauses. We believe that the entire Bible is the inspired Word of God. Now, uh, the Word of God is not only encouraging, it's also oftentimes confrontational. We don't just pick and choose the parts of the Bible we like or we're more comfortable with, and think of those as being the Word of God, and discount the rest of the Bible as being less than the Word of God. The entire Bible is the Word of God. The Bible is divided into Old Testament and New Testament. Old does not mean antiquated. The books of the Old Testament were written before the life of Christ to tell us about the life of Christ. The New Testament books were written after the life of Christ to describe to us how Jesus fulfilled the prophecies of the Old Testament. And that men of God were moved by the Holy Spirit to write the very words of Scripture. We talked about various levels of inspiration. Jesus taught that the very words of Scripture are God's words. That God selected and prepared His spokespeople, His prophets, in such a manner that the words they chose, the words they used, were the exact words God would use to communicate His word to us. There's over 2,000 times in the Old Testament where there are clauses such as, And God spoke to Moses. The word of the Lord came unto Jonah, and God said. The Bible claims to be a record of the words and deeds of God. Thus the Bible views itself as God's word. And if we look in the New Testament, we find verses such as, The word of the Lord endures forever. All scripture is God-breathed. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, But holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So the fact that the Bible claims to be the word of God does not prove as much because there are other books that make similar claims. But the difference is that the scriptures contain indisputable evidence that they are the word of God. The Bible is therefore without error in its original manuscripts. Now, God could have chosen any of the languages of the world in which to communicate his word. He chose Hebrew for the Old Testament, Greek for the New Testament. A few passages are are from Aramaic and and some people discount our translation of the bible saying that something is always lost in translation and and so therefore we don't really have the word of god because something got lost there in translation from the original languages to ours but we realize that something can get lost in translation if we're using the same language that right today we're using english some some people are going to walk out the front door and they're going to totally misunderstand something i said even though we're speaking the same language things can get lost In translation, even when you're using the same language. So, even if we were all fluent in Hebrew and Greek, that would not guarantee that we would really hear the Word of God. So, how can we know that we're hearing the Word of God? Well, Jesus provided us the answer to that. He said, it's the Holy Spirit that will lead us into all truth. We have to be led to the truth, and it's the Holy Spirit who leads us to that truth. And the Holy Spirit is not limited by languages. Furthermore, Jesus told us that the only way we're going to find Him is if we seek Him with all our heart, and the only way we're going to learn about Him is if we open our ears completely, that we're proactive in listening for the Holy Spirit. And now we uh, approach this fascinating subject that's found in the next clause of our statement of faith, God has supernaturally preserved the Bible. Now, we live in an interesting era of almost nearly universal literacy and documents prepared in word processor applications that check for grammar and spelling and syntax and digital storage and uh, distribution systems that check for the minutest error in transmission or retrieval. They look for any bit that's out of place. And even if a document is not digital, it can be scanned at high resolution for storage and distribution. But this form of document creation and duplication and distribution we take as commonplace but it hasn't been in the years previous in fact in centuries past there were no photocopiers and there were no scanners if something needed to be copied it was copied by hand if it needed to be distributed it was distributed by foot And because of that, there were many opportunities for the introduction of human error. And because of this, some skeptics think that all of the source documents used to translate our Bible uh, were full of errors. And therefore, our translations of the Bible are full of errors. Now, there are variants, and variants do exist... Uh, among the ancient documents used as sources for our scriptures. In fact, if you've got a good Bible translation, it'll have footnotes in it on every page practically telling you about the variants in the various documents, source documents that are available. And and some skeptics would would claim that these variants are contradictions and therefore the Bible is full of contradictions. So that brings up questions like, why do we have variants? And if variants are called variants and not contradictions, then what's the difference between a variant and a contradiction? And are there contradictions in the Scripture? Well, it's beneficial for us to know a little bit about the materials used to store and communicate Holy Scripture over the centuries. The Bible was stored and distributed on various materials. One of the materials used to store the Bible was papyrus. And uh, we get the English word paper from the Greek word papyrus. The oldest papyrus fragment, dates back to 2400 BC. Now, we're at 2000 AD, so you have to go back 2,000 years. Then you have to go back another 2,400 years uh, to be able to... So 4,400 years ago, somebody wrote something on that piece of of parchment. And uh, it's difficult for parchment, which is very similar to paper, to survive unless it's a very dry area, such as the desert sands of Egypt. In fact, us, We know because we've got garages that have some old paper product in it. We don't live in a dry environment. And if it sits in the garage very long, we have all kinds of things we really don't want in our garage because it's not a dry environment. But uh, these papyrus, some of the papyrus is actually over 4,000 years old. Now, scrolls are made of gluing sheets of papyrus together and then winding them around a stick. And some scrolls have been known to be as long as 144 feet. That's, that's long. But the average scroll was between 20 and 35 feet long. Now, papyrus sheets could also be assembled in a leaf form called a codex or a book form. And modern books use this form rather than scrolls because it makes reading easier and, uh, and storage more uh, manageable and, and less bulky. Uh, one of the most famous codex is the Codex Vitanicus, which is found at the Vatican and dates back clear into the 4th century. Another storage for written documents was parchment. Uh, Parchment was more durable. It was made of the skins of sheep and goats and antelope and other animals. Vellum was a name given to parchment made of calf skin. It was often dyed purple. And the oldest leather scrolls that we have date to to 1500 B.C., about 3,500 years ago. Pottery, stones, clay tablets, and wax tablets were also used. So these, these were the rather delicate materials that have been used in centuries past to record the official history of nations, treaties, laws, business transactions, and personal letters. Now, some people believe that the Bible that we have now is not accurate because the original writings have perished. They were hand-copied to preserve content on perishable materials, such as parchment and animal skins and and so forth. And so um, they wonder how accurate what we have today is to the original. Well, the Old Testament was written between 2400 years ago and 4000 years ago. And some have wondered the degree to which any inconsistencies or inaccuracies have crept into the text in that time. Well, until 1947, the the most uh, the earliest copy that we had of the Old Testament was written about 1000 AD. But in 1947, something happened. There was a a young Bedouin shepherd who was searching for a lost goat through a rock into a cave near uh, Qumran, near the Dead Sea, heard pottery crack, went and discovered these scrolls. The archaeologists looked at it and considered the, the biggest find, archaeological find, in a millennium, perhaps in the history of mankind. After comparing the entire Isaiah manuscript from the Qumran near the Dead Sea with the present Hebrew text of Isaiah, Old Testament scholar Gleason L. Archer concluded that the Dead Sea Scroll proved to be word for word identical with our standard Hebrew Bible, Old Testament, in more than 95% of the text. The 5% of variation consisted chiefly of obvious slips of the pen and variations in spelling. The Dead Sea Scrolls provide clear evidence of the complete faithfulness of the Old Testament text, to the originals, in spite of transmission through the long centuries. You see, variants don't change the fundamental meaning of Scripture. And based on the evidence, it's logical to conclude that God has supernaturally preserved the Old Testament. So basically, what
0: we are seeing is that the veracity of Scripture, or the inerrancy of it, is really a quite involved process over thousands of years. And it has sustained those years, those decades and centuries, because God has deemed it so. Can we trust the Bible? Oh, you bet we can. This has been Study Verse by Verse. If you would like to know more about us, we invite you to stop by our website, highlands.us. You'll also find information regarding Church of the Highlands right here in San Bruno. Again, highlands.us. And then join us next time as we continue looking at God's Word, the Bible.